Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello and welcome to the show tonight. I'm so glad you chose to join us. I think we're going to have a delightful episode tonight. The topic tonight is Infinite Possibility, and our guest is Kate Jagetti. We're going to bring her on in just a minute, but um, I wanted to talk just a little bit about the idea of our spiritual journey or awakening to our consciousness or becoming enlightened. I mean, these are very common um, buzzwords, if you will, in the spiritual community. But I want to put some things in context. Um, You can, it's almost like there's two sides to the coin. Uh, If you look at humanity on this planet at this time, many of us are are so loaded up with karma. We're going through some really tough personal struggles, or perhaps we've gone through them in the past. And we're trying to uh, break free of that and and stand on our own feet and, and kind of heal ourselves. It's a healing modality. And please, yes. Indeed, shall we all heal? Yes, yes, and yes. But there's a flip side to the spiritual awakening. It, it, for so many people, enlightenment is like the end game. Once I'm enlightened, then then everything just falls into place, and I can close my eyes and and uh, and live in this enlightened state, and and everything that I desire will be fulfilled and and perhaps there's a level of consciousness where that happens but um, I think there is but not very uh, prominently on this planet so what's the flip side of healing what's the flip side of, of coming out of the darkness if you will I like the metaphor of a boat and it's like you're, this is a metaphor and a, just a, a way to mentally wrap our noggin around um, the difference be, between healing and the flip side of that, um, the, the art of creation perhaps. So you wake up on a boat and it's the boat's hammered. It's, it's perhaps a metaphor of your life. You've gone through some difficult times, the mass is broken, the the boat's leaking, half the crap inside's floating because there's a very little differentiation between the water inside the boat and the water outside the boat. And the healing idea is you fix the boat. And and yes, indeed, let's fix ourselves. Let's heal ourselves. Let's, let's make that a, a, a prominent part of our intention and our action day to day. But once you get the boat, uh, I'm sorry. Once you get the boat fixed, then what? In other words, okay, you've healed. Poof, you're enlightened. Poof, you flip and glow in the dark. Poof, you have unconditional love for all that is. Poof. Okay. Now what? 
the flip side of that is, okay, now I have this vessel, this this body, this being, this persona of mine, and the boat represents that. And when it's healed, fixed, repaired, you can travel in the boat. You can travel wherever your heart desires. And that part of the creative story is is the place of power. It's the place of creation. It's the place of imagination. I'm going to read a quote um, from Neville Goddard. Goddard. The, the subtitle to this book, Infinite Possibility, is How to Use the Ideas of Neville Goddard to Create the Life You Want. The quote says, Stop trying to change the world, since it is only a mirror. Man's attempt to change the world by force is as fruitless as breaking a mirror in the hope of changing his face. Leave the mirror and change your face. Leave the world alone and change your conceptions of it. Um, but... Buckminster Fuller said that you don't uh, fix the past to create new. You don't fix the past to create new. You just create the new. In other words, you don't focus on the elements of what's in the world today. You daydream, you imagine what's possible, and then you create that. Where, where your intention is on the, on the side of creation itself. So what I really like about uh, Kate's material here is it, it's firmly planted in the realm of creation. So let's get to it. Catherine Jagetti, a bright, bold, and powerful new voice on the metaphor physical scene has penned an immensely practical hands-on journey through the publications and lectures of Neville Goddard, a man she claims is the most radical mystical figure of the last century, a prophet who popularizes the astonishing concept that your mind is God. She writes, according to Neville, there's only one power in the universe out of which all things emanate, not a good source and a separate evil one, but one universal source bending into obedience to the creative will of men and women everywhere. That would include you. Kate adds that how the how remains a mystery, but this eternal fact is nonetheless true. As, as soon as she was able to fill and accept that as true, she was free. I think it's time to get into dialogue. Let's go ahead and bring Kate on the show. And welcome to the show, Kate. Thank you, Les. It's a pleasure to be with you. You know, it, it seems like in the metaphysical community, there's, uh, there's so much uh, language behind... Um, what metaphysics is all about. There's this um, this new culture, if you will, that's kind of risen out of our collective consciousness, and and there can be um, quite a bit of conversation that doesn't really 
um, get to the heart of the matter. Um, we're here to talk about your book, Infinite Possibilities. And in this book, what I really like what you've done here is you've made it so simple. You've made it so clean. The, 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 can you can you tell us something about this book and, and what you were looking for as a core message? Okay, so um, I've been studying Neville's teachings for many years, and anybody who's read Neville will be able to attest to feeling something when you read it. But it is true that when you read it, because of uh, his experience and his style of language, um, you need to read things a few times before you get to the heart of it. I think that Neville, as a writer, was wonderful, but, and he got better over time. But what I tended to do while I was studying Neville was to take something that meant something to me and reword it in a way that if I wanted to, I could access that information and get straight to the feeling or straight to the, the point or what I was looking for. And so throughout my uh, time studying Neville, I would always keep these diaries and journals. And I found that this book, which wasn't really uh, planned in the way that one might ordinarily plan a book, sort of sit down to write a book. But what I found was I always would carry around with me these little diaries and journals that I was uh, that I was writing, which is um, a retelling of Neville's teachings in language that made it instantly accessible, that made the message instantly accessible. And that's what I've done with this book. And I've I'm so glad at the response that I've had that people have said, oh, my God, you've explained things, or oh, my goodness, you've explained things in such plain language that I get what you're trying to say, and now I even get more what Neville was trying to say. And also, it's about helping people understand the terminology, because what happens sometimes in metaphysics is that words we understand in English, and we may understand the definition of an English word in a metaphysical context, that those words can change, the meaning of those words can change. So I've really tried to drive home, um, or I've emphasized on making the language easy to understand and making it as clear as possible. And to to be clear for our listening audience, the title of the book is Infinite Possibility, How to Use the Ideas of Neville Goddard to Create the Life You Want. Now, you've referred to Neville. Can you give us just a quick snapshot of who we're talking about here yeah so neville is this incredible wonderful or was a wonderful incredible man some people call him a mystic personally i like to call him a prophet he was born an english person into an english family on the island of barbados in 1905 and as a very young man he traveled to new york to pursue a career in in the arts in, on theater in theater excuse me and while he was there he had some success but it didn't actually satisfy a hunger that he had um, that was enduring and existed inside of him. A few years later, still as a young man, he met an Ethiopian rabbi by the name of Abdullah. And Neville, Neville describes studying with Abdullah for about five years. And Abdullah taught him the Kabbalah, taught him the Bible and other forms of esoteric mysticism. And out of his study with Abdullah and putting the philosophies that Abdullah taught him into practice, that was the basis for which this career or this ministry, if you like, of Neville's came into the world. And he was a wonderful speaker and teacher. He wrote many books. All of them are available for free online, but I do encourage people to purchase their own copy because 
it kind of having your own copy of Neville's books really it makes it something to cherish. Um, so that's who Neville is in a net, in a nutshell. I say is because he's still very much alive to me <laughs> in the pages of books, but I understand he's no longer with us <laughs> in physical form. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, if if we, I'm just looking at the cover of your book, Infinite Possibility, Create the Life You Want. It, it seems like the, the process of creation, the laws, the principles, if you will, of creation have been in place long before humans showed up and language showed up and, and you know, philosophical uh, contemplation has showed up. How How is it that we can wrap a framework around these principles of creation if if they're so uh, ethereal or intangible, if you will. Okay, so um, Neville describes uh, the process of us being born into the world, and while we're born, when we are born into the world, we actually forget who we are. By that, he means the substance of ourselves. So, a lot of people uh, stop at the human uh, aspect of themselves, but that, that is only an aspect of who we are. We are made of God. So, if God is everything, then we are God as well. We are individualized beings. We have our own identities, and we recognize each other by the costumes that we wear so I know you as Les you know me as Kate and we know each other in that way but we are of the same substance we are just different expressions of that creative power that underpins everything in, in existence and I like to tell people I meet especially new people that there is absolutely no disconnect everything that exists and this most fundamental creative substance that I'm talking about some people call it consciousness some god some the universe i personally say god because of its meaning to me but when i say god i don't mean that in the traditional religious sense i mean the infinite quite literally the formless that is given shape and expression through us as human beings and so even though uh, this uh, power existed before there were people and languages and so on as you say Les what we are going to be able to do through the process of remembering who we are is reposition ourselves as the creator. And so when we open the line of communication between our human aspect and our authentic substantive consciousness, we then become able to operate in the same way that the original power of creation did. Very nice. So uh, basically... God conscious incarnate, perhaps. Absolutely. So, so I'm sitting here incarnate as the as a personification of the divine, and I and I see human suffering on the planet, and my and my heart weeps, and I'm like, you know, damn, um, where's my magic wand? How can I, uh, how can I influence the collective consciousness? There's this, there's this uh, dance, perhaps, between the free will. You have free will. I have free will. The collective consciousness has free will, mm-hmm. and and being the personification of all that is. Or, um, to be more specific, if we are indeed God consciousness, we indeed have infinite possibilities. How can I take uh, and put a fulcrum or a leverage point in my personification of the divine 
and influence the collective without offending their free will. Okay, absolutely wonderful. It's, I just want to mention something before I answer that question, Les. It's interesting that you bring up this subject of suffering. So while I was feeling after this interview this morning, I was led to read the chapter in the book, An End to Suffering, and just to remind myself of the ideas that I wrote about in that chapter. So it's wonderful to hear you say that. What I like to tell people is that all of the experiences of the world are educative. And so, um, and in addition to that, no two people are going to experience any event in the world the same way. So if you think about something like the floods that happen in the United States or war or things that go on every day that uh, impact whole communities or whole countries, as an individual, um, as individuals going through that together, they're all having their own experiences. So that's on the one hand. Our experiences are... Uh, educative. On the other hand, if you find yourself wanting to do something about human suffering, for example, the only thing that we're required to do is to apply the law of imagination to a successful outcome, whatever that outcome might be. So because all desires come from God in the first place, the power and the plan and the purpose and the way of its fulfillment is contained within that desire. And so through actually consenting to that desire being fulfilled through you, you will not be impinging on anybody's or impeding anybody's right to free will or their ability to exercise their free will. You're actually doing what God wants you to do. So what people need to understand is that if that is your desire, you absolutely must act upon it because God has already positioned all of the uh, elements of that, if you like, in place to allow you to fulfill that desire and to do what he wants you to do. It doesn't harm anyone. Neville says that God is never in competition with himself. So just always, if in doubt, as I say in the book, just do the loving thing, but act on your desires because they come from God. Well, the um, the vision I get is um, there's this idea of a karmic pressure cooker, if you will, and mm -hmm. and humanity's gone through um, uh, uh, so much karma in the past that it it's going to crack legions of sages and mystics and alchemists open it's going and and they'll come out of the collective they'll come out of the everyday man and woman mm -hmm. and and then you you talked about imagination and here on the show we've talked about the the power of consciousness the power of our own uh divine persona if you will and um, when I stare at the tea leaves, so to speak, um, humanity really hasn't seen um, people manifest their potential anywhere near their potential. And I use Elon Musk, and I know uh, a lot of people have an emotional response when I mention that name, but He's talking about colonizing Mars with a million people. He's talking about revolutionizing um, the use of electricity. He's talking about um, electric cars and building rockets. And what I'm getting at here is he he takes these huge uh, ideas that come out of his imagination and he anchors them into his intent. Mm -hmm. And then he just moves forward through his days. When 
when you look at what the principles are talking about with infinite possibility, um, how do you see? What's the 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 factor that decides how big or how little somebody manifests? Okay, that's a wonderful question. I mean, for me, um, I do understand that is it is quite terrifying to know that there is no limit to how someone can use their imagination. There really is uh, literally no limit. And for, for the average person, we would like people to use their ability to manifest in positive ways only. But I go back to this point of all of our experiences being um, educative. So even experiences that are frightening or terrifying or traumatic, they have something to teach us as well. What uh, someone like Elon Musk is doing is actually showing the might of God. Now, it might be something that's frightening to someone who doesn't understand what he's doing or doesn't like what he's doing. And this is why it's so important for the individual to begin to understand their power for themselves and not to react to the way that other people use theirs. For me, there is absolutely no limit to what anybody can do. We only have uh, a finite amount of time allocated to us. And in that amount of time, I am somebody who is all for people using their power however they feel, choose to do it. But I can say that because I am unafraid. And the reason I am unafraid of the way in which other people use their power is because I am aware of my own. And so it might look like, oh, this man is going to Mars and he's going to do all these wonderful things, but we don't, or weird and wonderful things, but we don't know if he's going to <laughs> we don't know how much time he's been allocated or whether he's going to live to see tomorrow. Ultimately, I'm not saying I wish his demise. Sure. I'm not interested in that. But what I'm saying is that we become concerned or anxious about what someone's doing rather than allowing ourselves to learn something through the demonstration of power that other people do. So what I would, what I would say to anyone is, yes, what he's showing us is that there really is no limit to the way in which we can uh, manifest. And if somebody is uh, a person in darkness, they may well choose to manifest in darkness. But the important thing is learn from the fact that, okay, we are, there's no difference between us as human beings. Everybody has the same cap capacity and potential for this limitless or infinite manifestation, if you like. And what people should start to do is work on ways to exercise their own power. I will add, Les, also that if somebody feels led to uh, stop what somebody else is doing, if it's a true desire, if it's something you really feel compelled that you have to do, then you apply the law of imagination to that. So God is teaching us things through what we do to each other as well as what we do ourselves. When you talk about infinite possibility, it does for me, I don't feel scared at all. I'm, I'm like uh, you. I get excited. It's like... Yes. It, and... and um you bring in the the component of of love of unconditional love and when i look at humanity and i and i go to the the realm of the undefined of the infinite potential and uh you know perhaps i ask divine goddess show me a vision of what my life could be to be a vehicle of unconditional love for humanity and these really big ass visions show up in my in my consciousness and i'm just i'm a i'm a small town boy from out in the middle of nowhere and <laughs> and the divine showed me all this this 
big-ass stuff for my life, I get a smile on my face. I get so excited. There's there's such exquisite joy in knowing that when we get inspired that in that moment, the potential for it to come into fulfillment or into fruition comes along with the inspiration. Everything happens energetically first. So it it almost seems like we're we're just the vehicle of mm-hmm. the of the law and it's not through sweat and toil, not to say that at some point you dig a foundation for what you're doing, but the law itself brings everything that is required for it. So how do you take that that potential and and embody it in a way that's uh, compatible and authentic to who you are. Okay, so one of the first things that people need to do is open that line of communication between their human aspect and their divinity. And once they are they they can do that, or once they start doing it, they learn to what I like to say calibrate their own internal apparatus. They do things like learn to trust their intuition, and they begin to understand the language of feeling. Now, the beautiful thing about it is we communicate. Oh, excuse me, let's let me just <laughs> turn off my email. I apologize. So the wonderful thing um, about that is that you can. Um, Excuse me, through the exercises that you start to communicate with yourself, what you are able to do is recognize um, what it is that you are being told to do. And it will be entirely personal to you. One thing that I strongly believe is that everybody is given a job that no one else has been given. So when you talk about your own work, you're here, you're a voice to help people to express or explore their their unlimited potential in a way that is rooted in love. Other people do other things, but the, the most important thing is that we start to establish for ourselves a connection between who we are and our humanity. Very nice. Well, I like I like that you mentioned trust because um, I, I think to really... Um, embody our potential to really um, understand how to uh, tap infinite possibilities we weren't typically we weren't taught in traditional education this notion of well you're the thing you're it you are the personification you have uh, equal access to to all the power of all the mythology of our entire human history and and our egos can't really I don't want to say can't but typically don't understand what that does and and I think when you mention trust it it's to me it seems like flexing a muscle in that perhaps the idea is I want to run a marathon but you've sat on the couch for the last decade <laughs> And 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 the the marathon might seem out of reach, but once you start flexing the muscles, once you start uh, the motion, and and you have small um, demonstrations of the principle, then your trust starts to build. Mm-hmm. And then once that trust gets anchored, and you have complete confidence, then your flipping wand works. You you you, you know that. Well, damn! When when this stuff shows up, that's it. That's it. Game. You know, nothing else is required. Uh, 
and and for people to embody that and and truly own that i think is is the the new human if you will showing up on the planet demonstrating potential that has always existed within our personas Absolutely. And I just want to say how much I love the fact that you mentioned faith as a muscle. That's an analogy that I have used. I was at a conference at the House of Lords of the UK Parliament and I was in a meeting with all of these different religious leaders and I said that faith is a muscle and um, a very learned person said no it's not but I knew what I was saying it's something that needs to be exercised through practice and so I really love that you said that it validates me (laughs) well I like the idea of of faith being uh, no thought contrary in other words Mm -hmm. there's no doubt in your psyche uh, faith is every thought congruent with the fulfillment. Whereas if yeah. you don't have faith, the the sentencing, the mental sentencing of not having faith is, well, that can't happen. Well, this, mm. well, that. When you say any word you say is the creator expressing. So if you say it can't happen, well, there you have it. Mm-hmm. And and the law will certainly fulfill either side of the uh, posture you take. So it 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 takes uh, typically it takes that um, um, expansion of of trust where where you bring a bigger idea and a bigger idea and watch it fulfill that you truly start to believe that indeed your one does work and mm-hmm. that. Um, we're all here to kick some divine ass in in our most authentic way, if you will. So can you give examples for yourself of how you flexed your muscles when it came to these principles? I mean, I, I have I was exposed to this these sorts of ideas in childhood, but that doesn't mean to say if somebody's coming to it as an adult, they're not going to see results very quickly. I was just fortunate in that way. But I had lived like that long before I knew what was going on. So as a child, I would always get into the attitude of having something. So I say in the book, I talk about when I wanted a hamster, you know, there wasn't really money for pets um, at that time. I was only six years old, but I, I just played with this pet in my mind. And it was very real to me. I became absolutely immersed in that mental activity until the day my mom said, okay, get your coat on. We're going to the pet shop. I'm going to buy your hamster. And I saw that there are lots of little uh, experiences like that throughout my life but I found that as I grew up I carried that with me I was never looking at the facts of a situation I only knew that if something felt like it belonged to me or felt like something I would enjoy or benefit from I just began to engage with it mentally as though I was already doing it. So, for example, I had a fantastic job. It was a temp job, but I was um, working as a property manager for the Saudi royal family in central London. And these people have a lot of money and their properties were absolutely exquisite. But when I would find myself walking through those parts of London, I just thought, wow, I I want to go into those buildings and have a look around. And I get lost in the feeling of what it must be like to be in there and all of that kind of thing. And the next thing I know, I get a job and I'm looking after these properties and managing staff and all of this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So to to describe the feeling when you – so what I want to do is kind of walk through the the sensory description, if you will, of the process – so in in the first moments you had that desire 
um, let's take the pet. It's quite a definitive uh, idea. Mm-hmm. So, so you have this idea of having a pet. When you when you hold it in the etherical realm of your mind, what's the 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 knack of of honing in on that, if you will, energetically or sculpting the energy with your consciousness? Right. So what I've come to understand, and I can describe it like this: we have two sets of senses. So we have our five senses smell, hearing, sight, taste, and touch, we also have um, a mental set of those senses. Oh, very nice. Do um, in your mind is to engage, to engage those senses mentally. So not physically touching something with your consciousness hand or smelling with your consciousness nose and all of that kind of thing. And so for me, when I wanted the pet and I just got excited about playing with it, I could see myself playing with it. I could feel its fur all in my mind's eye. Most people can do this. If you said to someone, imagine tasting a lemon, most people would be able to get a sense of the, um, the astringency of a lemon in their mouth and they might find their muscles tightening up or they find their mouth filling up with saliva. That those are physical responses to what goes on in the mind, and there are countless experiments. I'm sorry I can't sort of refer your audience to any particular ones right now, but there are scientific experiments that show that we get a physical response in our body from mental stimulus. And this is an idea that people should be aware of. And so what what you do when you're playing in your uh, playing mentally with something or enjoying something, you will notice that it makes you feel a certain way. For me, it was an excitement. Whenever I mentally played with this pet, I felt happy and I felt excited. And I wasn't worried about when this pet was going to show up because I was having so much fun with it already. It wasn't um, as it didn't feel to me as if I didn't have it. I already had it. And so the fact that it showed up was a very natural um, and automatic response to that mental activity. Well, that that's uh, delightful. I like that. So, if indeed this this field of creation has infinite possibilities, it, it almost seems like we should do uh, imagination aerobics, where we stretch our imagination to to be able to capture some uh, answers to or um, to be able to uh, I guess what I'm saying is in this present moment in in the space we're all in is the is a field of quote miracles unquote I mean infinite potential of creation in this moment and and we're we're all moving through our own individual life paths and the potentials of where our life can be in one year, five years, ten years is as broad as our imagination can stretch. How do you how have you found your perception of your future as you've flexed the muscle and learned to trust these laws more and more? Um, I tend to um I, I hope people won't find this <laughs> disturbing, but I um, 
I'm not as uh, attached to my physicality and my human experience as all of that. It doesn't mean I don't enjoy being alive. I'm, every morning um, I go through a ritual of just expressing gratitude for my life, for my husband, for my parents and that kind of thing because I consider life to be a wonderful gift and I'm privileged to be here. But I'm constantly exploring the invisible world and I'm always feeling after new experiences. So for me, um, I find that I'm very, very open to things that other people may feel anxious about. So you were speaking earlier on about Elon Musk, and I know people who are very, very anxious about the way in which the world is changing, the introduction of AI and, and all of this automation that's coming up. But I, um, I just see that as expressions or creative expressions of God. I don't actually see a disconnect between God and what's happening in the world. And so for me, my uh, joy, the thing that makes me happy, that gets me up in the morning, is the, the fact that I get to do this work. And, and that's what I see in my future. By, what, by that, I mean helping people to understand that the world is nothing to be afraid of and that there is a way that they can reposition themselves as creators. And what it requires is just understanding of the laws that govern that in operation in our lives as individuals. So very much for me, the future is all about just meeting people every day that I'm gifted life, every day that I get to, to be here and to breathe and to talk and to move, that everybody I meet, I share this message with them. So I, I really like that. So if we use the, the mirror analogy and we're seeing a reflection in the mirror, it's a reflection of consciousness of the past. I mean, the consciousness we have in this moment, um, we don't see the future until it comes through the present moment, if you will. So if, we're, if we look at the collective consciousness and there's AI or or some aspect of, of what the collective is creating, it's just a reflection of the mirror, and the mirror itself has no continuity of what it is fed, if you will. So everything we've created is literally a temporal standing wave, a, a season, if you will, in our human um, storyline. And from my perspective, the most powerful thing we can do is is fulfill our own role, our own life purpose, if you will, and not pay too much, uh, never mind, to anything else anyone has created. Be, be, it seems like there's a divine um, um, integration or co-creation, if you will, between perhaps souls or or the divine intent, if you will, that's inherent um, within all of us. And if I guess what I'm getting at is to to show up for your own purpose, for your um, is the most powerful thing that you could embody through your own life path. What do you think? I agree with that 100%. I mean, you could attest to this, Les, as I can, that once you actually discover your purpose and you start living it, life becomes this really wonderfully pleasurable thing, <laughs> even in times of darkness or trauma. I, you know, I said to my mom, my mom, when I was young growing up, my mom always used to say to me, all I want is for you to be happy. And I never understood what she meant by that because I was somebody, I would try so many different things. I was searching, searching for something to make me happy. But then when I discovered what I am here to do, 
I couldn't express the happiness. And it was wonderful to see other people confirm to me that this happiness that they thought I lacked, I was suddenly expressing it. And I'm sure you can attest to that. Yeah. It's doing your own thing, <laughs> showing up for <laughs> your purpose. There is nothing that can be compared to that. And this is what I'm excited about. I get to steward people through that. And that for me is such an honor and a privilege. It's fantastic. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, there, there's moments in my day where I'm like, oh my God, this is so glorious. I mean, <laughs> and and glorious is not a term I had used to describe my um the joy I feel as the opportunity for me to be me and, and whatever the hell that looks like. And it, I, I think there's a point where um, the the ego like surrenders. It, it's almost like we're trying to build God out of Legos. And if we build the right Lego structure, then we'll experience God from the ego's perspective. But then, when you have this this stream, this endless stream of inspiration from in, inside of you, and you start to honor that, and you start to personify that, and watch the mirror change the reflection as you do that, there's a point where the ego trusts. It, I, I love the image of you're riding along on a, a stagecoach, and the horses are galloping like all get out, and you're the ego's holding the reins in in your hands and you're trying to manipulate the outside world and and your heart and your soul say just let go and and the horses are galloping and you throw the reins down on the horses which seems like suicide to the ego and you kick your hands up and you lean back in the sunshine of a beautiful day and and you trust and all that worry and fret falls away and there's no place for it to come back to there's it, it's it's such a feeling to to understand the beauty of who who you are who we are and then to just live your life with that intent I mean, I'm listening to you with the broadest smile on my face because your words are just making me so happy. This is something that is so important to me and something that I always try to emphasize when I speak to people. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that so much pain is uh, caused by trying to control external circumstances and trying to control other people. Yeah. I was speaking to someone who gets very angry about everything she reads on social media. And I'm saying to her, what you are saying is that you want those people to say something different, but you can't control that. You cannot make people do what you want them to do. So just concentrate on what you have to do. And it's amazing when I was able to do that properly for myself, as you say, all of this kind of pain and anxiety and all of that stuff, it just melts away. You really can put your heart, your hands behind your, your head and enjoy the sun on your skin. Well, I mean, for me, joy seems to be um, not not the only one, but a very discerning measuring stick as far as is your ego in, in alignment with your heart and your soul. When your ego feels joy... It's typically because you've made choices that are are congruent or in alignment with the intent of your heart and your soul. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's like, how good can you stand it? 
<laughs> how how much joy, how much, you know, pleasure, how much um effulgence, if you will, can you feel as you surrender to this this cascade of 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 uh divine inspiration flows in you through you as you into form i mean neville speaks about when you're in that state of flow that you have these explosions of joy inside (laughs) of you and i love that when i read it when i looked into it further it's true you really almost feel as if you cannot contain it but he says it's as if you feel every cell of your body just opening up and just receiving and it's a wonderful sensation well, the the stress and the angst and the fear and and all that um, is is just a story we told ourselves. It's just a it's kind of a static, you know, um, aspect of our persona, and it has no power of its own. I'm, it it'll it'll dissipate the moment you let go of it, and and to. to I like the visual of a sandcastle on the beach. And so your ego has has tried to create in physical form. Don't use the mirror, but go out into the atomic world and create what you want. So you've built the sandcastle. And damn it, here comes the tide and the first wave hits it. And you cringe a little bit and the second wave hits it. And it's like, oh shit. And the third wave hits it. And... And then there's a point where it's like, well, this this castle is static. There's nothing static about who I am. And you mm-hmm. surrender and you push the sand into the ocean. You surrender the idea of, of needing to force or, or uh, create through sweat, if you will, your life mm-hmm. and let go and... And there's some real freedom that comes from trying to force it all. And yeah. and that freedom, I think, is what your physical body re- responds to. It's what your your heart and your soul smile about. To to turn around and do that day in and day out, to to surrender to that expression, I think you you kind of become um, electric or um i mean people are hungry for the truth and and mm. when when you personify the grace the the exquisite grace of the mechanics of creation um you bring it into form for people to see it being demonstrated mhm i mean in terms of the work that i do that's such an important part of it um neville often says that if a theory or a philosophy has no practical application, it has no value. And that's where I am. I just wanted to pick up, um, Les, if I may, on an earlier point you made about how things dissipate, because I think one thing that people are worried about is that their problems won't go away. And um, when they come to this work, they want their problems to go away. And you gave that wonderful analogy of the sandcastle. But if, you, if people think of it in these terms, if you learn to transfer what it, what the problem is to the infinite which is formless it dissipates it really does break down into nothing because it has no context and like you say all of these stresses and anxieties are stories we've told ourselves we've given them form and structure and they lose that structure i just wanted to pick up on that because i thought that was so important for people to be aware of well 
well, let's let's expound on that then. I mean, so I I'm a listener on the show and I I'm listening to us talk about this. Well, that makes me bipolar. No, never mind. Um the <laughs> um so how do we bring it okay, I'm a listener. Let's say I'm a father of a family that doesn't have health care for instance. That's I mean, I don't have health care and I've got this gene pool following me around and I'm responsible for the gene pool and I don't have health insurance. How can this intangible law change the mechanics of, of my society? I mean how do you how do you even start to work with something like that? So what happens very often when we're in a contracted state, that means we're under some pressure um, for something like, oh, we need health care or we don't have enough money. What happens is that you are un- unable to see or make contact with solutions for you because you develop tunnel vision and you only think about the thing that you cannot have. It actually grips you. So while your focus is on the thing that you cannot have or the problem, the solution is invisible to you. When you are able to transfer that stress, that tension onto consciousness, solutions begin to show up for people. Now, this does require courage for everybody because it is very difficult to say you're going to trust something you cannot see or believe. And that's why we say, go about your daily business, but remain open to this at the same time. So I don't tell anyone to sit down and fold your arms and wait for a solution to float down on a cloud. I say, do what you're doing, but while you're doing that, release the tension and allow other solutions to show up. I don't provide um, an explanation as as to how that happens. Um, Neville says that it's not given to us to know how something happens. We are just learning to trust. And so you will find that um, if it's a financial constraint, that that will be lifted in some way, whether it's somebody giving you money or you uh, coming into more money or you changing your job and that enables you to have more money or just uh, finding um, healthcare providers that you would never have considered before. Things are out there. If you can think of something, it exists somewhere. But when we are thinking only of the problem, we cannot contact the solution. And that- yeah, I, I love that. And it kind of comes back to the uh, flexing the muscle thing. If if mm-hmm. the if your first conscious manifestation is um, something that has the most weight on it, you know, like health care for a family, mm-hmm. then if it seemingly does or seemingly doesn't work, then the ego can become discouraged. So it it it's i kind of see it as as yes indeed stay open and and imagine your family taken care of but also um build trust with smaller things like um practice with the law of manifestation with uh, uh th- things that don't have so much emotional weight to them it seems like the ego wants proof sometimes and if the if our first test of the law is something we have we have so much uh, karmic momentum with, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, it can be hard for us to trust the outcome. So I, I like the idea of of um, working with the law with something that doesn't have uh, consequences. I want to taste a new ice cream. I want to see a movie I've never heard of that I would enjoy. I w- you know. 
where there's no consequence, if you will, mm. and that that reinforces the law, and then the trust goes up, and when the trust goes up, then the the paradigm itself changes, and your wand starts to work. It's like you're recharging the batteries in your divine wand through yes. trust and faith. Absolutely, I agree with that sentiment, and it's important that people aren't uh, too hard on themselves. I it is always difficult when you're new to this type of thing or if you're coming back to it to just leap in with both feet. Um, what you want to do is, like you say, go in for something that you're not invested in, you know, the, an outcome you're not invested in, and you will find that it will probably be easier. There's another thing I do say in the book in the chapter, Believing the Unbelievable, for people who find it too difficult at first to um, – Build, develop that trust a way of doing it is to do it as you're going to sleep and so if you think about the fact that we most people go to sleep with a lot of worries and concerns on their mind it's an exercise in just attempting to empty your mind and to sleep in a happy mood and see how that has an impact on your on your day the next day so what it what I'm saying is it's not something you're not doing it for a specific end you're not trying to achieve a particular outcome you're just going to have a look at the way in which a happy mood impacts your day uh, the following morning. Well, what we're talking about here is is really powerful aspects of our divine potential, if you will. And let me say kudos to such a, a brilliant and well-written book. I mean, I'm holding it in my hands. It's, it's such a simple read that the chapters are short. You get right to the point. It's like you're giving us no place to hide. <laughs> you're, you're, Thank pull, you. you're pulling the veil away from all the BS we put in in our mind in the form of doubt and and skeptical contemplation. So, uh, it it's such a it's such a fun read. It it's it's light and it and yet it's it's very very powerful language. I mean, what brought you to the point? What inspired you to to write a book like this? I I think, um, like I was saying, I, I used to keep journals. I said before in the conversation, I used to keep journals and diaries. And uh, what I wanted to do was to have a collection of what I thought were the most important aspects of Neville's entire message. So some of his work is very, very mystical, and I have only come to understand it through years of study and all of that. But I wanted to get my hands on um, or to be able to just lay my hands on a book that had all of the techniques that I needed that I could apply to absolutely any situation in my life, but also um, writing to accompany the practical uh, experiment that comes with it that was clear, concise, and was able to inspire me in the moment without me having to give it too much thought. I wanted the language to just speak to me right in that moment. This is what I'm saying. This is how you end suffering. This is how you end trauma. This is how you uh, build your self-esteem, all of that kind of thing. This is how you address your health issues and then give a practical demonstration of that being done. So um, the book was really written for me initially, nice. but I shared it with, <laughs> I, I shared it with, um, I mean, it was, it's been around for a little while. I shared it with an editor and it was like, no, this is not what someone's going to want. People aren't going to want to read this kind of thing. 
but I didn't actually give up on that. I felt that, yes, this is a book that should be published. And I was asked to send the manuscript in again. And then I got positive feedback. So it's uh, the embodiment of its own ideas. I felt this book into being. And I, um, I did that because um, that was going to be the testimony for anybody who asked, does this work? I can say, yeah, you're holding the proof that it works in your hand. Very nice. Well, what? So what's your hope for this book? I mean, what do you intend for it to achieve? I love that you asked that. I was thinking about that this morning, and I haven't been asked that in any interview so far. So, Les, my hope is that we are able to reach as many people as possible. I feel personally, and if other people disagree, I'd love to hear from them, but I feel very much that this community of people, people like you and I who understand as we do, are talking to ourselves. And there are so many other people that can be reached and can change their situation. Um, Neville said it would be very foolish for us to continue suffering if we had a solution to that suffering, to end that suffering. And I want to put this solution in the hands of everybody regardless of their background. So I'm not asking people to believe as I believe or to give up what they already believe and so on. I'm just saying that here's a system that activates something that you were born with and that you can make the most of. So you've been working with this, these principles and your your wand's working better and better and your trust is, is getting anchored in, in the core of your thinking. Wow, pow, <laughs> pow, pow. It's, you know the mirror's going to reflect whatever you conjure up in your imagination. What's next? Okay, so I'm writing uh, another book, and I'm getting ready to start uh, sharing my message with people in person. I'm not sure how much I can disclose at this point, but I'm so excited and privileged to be able to speak to people. I've I've started doing it through things like uh, your show and, and being able to speak in, in interviews, but I'm looking forward to taking my message to new audiences and um, just allowing this work to continue happening through me for the rest of the time that I've been allocated. Beautiful. Well, let us know when your next book is out. We'll have you back on the show. I'd be delighted. (laughs) So as a listener, um, tell us about, now you you talked about um, um, interacting with people more. Give the listener a snapshot of how Uh, of your platform. You have your book, you have this intention. How does the audience connect with you and what you have to offer? So the best way at the moment is Facebook and there will be on Facebook, I will be uh, making announcements about different things that I'm doing in projects that are upcoming, but I also answer questions. I'm a little overwhelmed at the moment and trying to get back to everyone, but because it's been phenomenal, I was really surprised. I did say to people, please write to me on Facebook so they can find me facebook.com forward slash Kate, K-A-T-E dot Jagedi, J-E-G-E-D-E dot seven. That was the title that Facebook gave me so seven, and they can uh, find out what's happening with me and find out about where they can get the book and also um, uh, reach out to me with any questions they might have well people on the penguinrandomhouse.com website they can just search for me I've uh, I've interviewed hundreds of people 
I'm sorry, your audio might be breaking up. How are we doing? Okay, I'm here. I'm okay. Well, I can hear you. And I can hear you. It sounds like we're connected. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to tell you, I don't have to tell you, I choose to tell you, um, I've interviewed hundreds of people, and and you just, you embody what you talk about, what you write about. You embody it with such uh, authenticity, and there's a, there's a, a, there's glee, there's just this, um, this joyful expression that is just delightful. I want to thank you for being this embodiment, for being who you are, for being a a point of expression in this collective storyline we're all going through that is 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 such a a wonderful um, beacon of what's possible for all of us individually and collectively you embody what what you teach in such beautiful and authentic ways thank you Thank you, Les. I've had such a wonderful time with you today. I can't tell you. And uh, I really <laughs> enjoyed the conversation. And I got so much from you as well. So thank you. Well, all of nature uh, co-creates. There's not one side to an experience. It's all co- communion. It's divinity communing with itself. So what what a delightful time. I've had a delightful time, too. Thank you. Do you have any closing thoughts for us? Um, No, just to encourage people to go out and get the book. You really won't be disappointed. (laughs) But also the most important thing is that people start to use this power and and develop and build that trust within themselves. It's not just about books and all of that. It's about people really making the the rest of their lives the best of their lives and not denying themselves the opportunity to be happy and to live a life that's really fulfilling. So as we said earlier on in the conversation, discovering our individual purpose and fulfilling that. I think there's nothing that compares to that. Beautiful. Well, I want to thank you for being our guest on the show. It's been my sheer pleasure sharing this time with you. Thank you, Liz. We've been talking with Catherine Jaggetti, the author of Infinite Possibility, How to Use the Ideas of Neville Goddard to Create the Life You Want. So do you feel yourself excited about your life? Do you feel yourself excited about the vision your soul's been showing you? I love bringing episodes like this to you. Um, We're all very powerful beings. I'm your host, Les Jensen. It's been my pleasure sharing this time with you. Thanks for listening. Until next time. This has been a New Human Living radio broadcast. You can raise your own personal power with Personal Power Fundamentals Home Study Course at NewHumanLiving.com. Thanks for listening.